0: Now we're going to go ahead and jump into our word today, which we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, We're jumping into our Advent series. This is the first Sunday of our Advent series, and uh, it is themed.
1: Enter in.
0: Enter in. So that's what, and so what Jonathan and I are going to do is we're going to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, the Advent uh, season to kick it off. So I'm excited for that. All
1: right. So, Advent actually starts next Sunday, but one of the things that we have learned is that things of the more liturgical nature are new for a lot of us. They're new for me, and uh, they're new for Pastor Jade and Pastor Dan, and so we want to give you a week to prepare for Advent, okay? So, if I can ask, with a show of hands in response, how many of you grew up as a child celebrating Advent? Oh, wow. Wow. Way more than expected. That is awesome. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have you guys come up here and teach this today. <laughs> See, shouldn't have raised your hand. Can you raise no, your hand again?
0: I didn't quite.
1: Yeah, you were supposed to take a, a shot. <laughs> um, well, that's actually surprising. So for me, my journey into Advent is, is, this is my third year. And it really was a journey of a lot of things just coming into alignment. But what Advent is, It is the season that leads up to Christmas and is designed to prepare us for Christmas. And Advent actually starts next Sunday and culminates on Christmas Eve, okay? So it's a short Advent this year. It's a few days shorter because Christmas is on a Monday. So we're giving you a head start. We're giving you six days head start on Advent. And at the end of the message here or this conversation, we're going to give you resources that you guys can prep yourselves with this week. So what is Advent? So Advent is actually the Christian New Year. The New Year for Christians starts four Sundays before Christmas. But what does that even mean? What is the New Year? So after the ascension of Christ, we have the early church who are trying to figure out how to become the people of God in Rome, in, under the Roman government. And what they decided to do was to orient themselves as much as possible around the events of the life of Jesus. So they formed what we call the church calendar or the liturgical year. And this was new to me. I did not grow up around this. I did not grow up even knowing the terminology. But all the church year, the church calendar, the liturgical year are, they, it, it's the, the entire year, 12 months, uh, and it's Sunday by Sunday walking through the seasons of the life of Christ. And it's designed to bring us into time and to tell our time by the life of Christ as opposed to by the time that culture tells And so, Advent is the season that pretty much the entire New Testament is lived in. And it is the expectation, the awaiting for the Messiah to come. Um, So, Advent starts next Sunday, and we'll go the next four Sundays. And Advent is designed to frame the life of the believer around the life of Christ and help us prepare for his birth. I mentioned in pre service meeting that I, it's ironic to me that the day after Thanksgiving, we now have another national holiday. What is that holiday? Black Friday. So the day after we give thanks for all that we have, God, we're such a grateful people for our freedom, for our friends and our family that I I just can't wait till 6 p.m. when Macy's opens, and I can just go stuff my life with more stuff. But God, it's okay, because I already have enough. I I think it's ironic that really the Christmas season, so post-Thanksgiving, is launched by a holiday, and and nobody would call it a holiday, but that's really what it is, is a holiday that is designed around consumerism. And then we, of course, have Friday, and, or have Saturday, and then we have our, our church day today. And then we have another holiday, Cyber Monday, where we can go buy all the digital things that we couldn't buy on Friday. And early, these holidays are starting earlier and earlier. And if we're not careful, what happens in the Christmas season is that Christmas is actually framed by buying things and being extremely busy and not preparing ourselves, our hearts, and our minds for the birth of Christ
0: you know the only you know the word advent simply is it's, it comes from a latin word and it means coming so the whole idea of advent is to understand to recollect to remember to dwell on the fact that the messiah has come as jonathan mentioned and one of the things that really stands out to me is that you know as as, as our, our Advent season is framed by consumerism, and I would say just by American culture, which consumerism is a part of, uh, what happens is, and this, and I mentioned this in our in our pre-service meeting as well, because it just it really weighed heavily upon me the importance of taking time of the church calendar, and specifically for us of Advent, because when culture shapes. Our approach and our understanding of Christmas that in turn shapes us. We in turn begin to be formed into the image of the culture that we live in. You know, and I was, and I, and I did this quick word study on the word "celebrate" because we use that word a lot. We're going to celebrate Advent. We're going to celebrate Christmas. We're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. And so uh, I looked into Webster's eighteen uh, twenty-eight dictionary. It says that to celebrate means to praise and to extol, to commend, to give, uh, to make famous. It also means to distinguish or to keep holy. And I think that's, that's so beautiful when we apply the celebration of Advent to Advent, meaning we are taking the Christmas season and we're distinguishing it from the culture. And here's why. Because as we form our approach to Christmas around the gospel, we are then in turn formed into the image of the gospel. The central figure being Jesus. This is why it's so important that we understand the way, we understand the way that we approach Christmas. So it goes on to say, uh, you know, and, and I was just thinking, it says to honor To celebrate means to honor. And I had this thought to myself that, man, really honor is formative in nature. That which we honor forms us. And here's why. Because when we honor something, our hearts are tender towards that thing. And we become image bearers of it. So a man who honors violence is formed into a violent man. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is why even, even as, we, as we look at Christmas, if we, we say, I'm going to celebrate Christmas, but what we're really honoring is consumerism, then we will in turn be formed into a consumeristic Christian. And then, and this goes beyond Christmas. Then we start to approach every day of Christianity from a consumeristic mindset. What can God do for me? So the season of Advent is the season where we stop and we reframe our approach to Christmas so that we can be formed into the image of Christ and not for our own sake, but for the sake of God's glory.
1: So, what does Advent highlight in the the Christian year? Before Christmas, we have the Old Testament, before Jesus came. And the Old Testament is the story of God calling out a people and shaping them over literally thousands of years for the Messiah to come. Because in the Messiah... God would launch new creation. So for thousands of years, God is forming a people. He's shaping a people, which is one of the reasons, an equivalent in the Old Testament would be the feast days. That the Old Testament Israel, uh, the tribes of Israel, had the feast days to remind them of the things that God had done. And Pastor Jade touched on this last week in the story of Deborah, how in one generation, there was not a transfer of knowledge or experience of the things that God has had done and they turned away from him and this is this is embodying exactly what we're talking about that if we don't reflect on deeply and orient ourselves around the nature and the experiences we've had with God, who He is, what He is going to do, then inevitably we will be formed by the things that are pulling us—the things like Black Friday, the things like Cyber Monday—and this is not a bash on those things. This is bringing awareness to the ways that they're they're shaping us subversively, and we're probably not aware. Fifty years ago, Thanksgiving was just Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving wasn't—it wasn't framed by the day that would come right after, where everyone is eyeing the deals, right? 50 years ago, that didn't exist, but now it does, and we have to wrestle with that. I'm not saying to avoid it. I'm saying be aware of it, and let's frame Christmas around Jesus. So one of the things that Advent does for us is it helps us to enter into the anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. Because how many of you know That things around us are not all as they should be. Can you guys see that in the earth? We see that with racism. We see that with tornadoes and tsunamis. We see that with mass murders, with mass shootings. We see that with terrorism. We see it with all kinds of things. That things are not as they one day will be now. And Advent helps us to look those things in the face and say, Lord, Only you can bring healing to this world. And only you can bring reconciliation. And only you can fix this mess that we live in. So therefore, come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come. Please come. And next week in our message, we're really going to highlight this. But as a faithful Christian people, that is a prayer that we should continually be praying Lord, come, make things right. Use us to make things right. God, things are not now as they should be. Make things right and use us to do it. And Advent forces us to look that in the face. Advent forces us, those of us in the room, with personalities that are highly optimistic to look into the face the things that are not right with the world. And the Christmas season does vice versa for those who are pessimistic. And the Christmas season forces us to celebrate because Jesus has come. He's come once, and he is coming again. So these are some of the ways that we are shaped by the Advent season. Another thing that the Advent season does for us specifically is it teaches us to be patient and to wait for God to act. A famous theologian said that all sin is ultimately rooted in impatience in us taking into our own hands what is not ours to hurry up and what is not ours to do. And we see that over and over and over again in the Old Testament, that God says, I will do something, and the people go, oh, right now, perfect, <laughs> and then they do it, or they try to do it. Advent forces us to wait for four weeks to celebrate Christmas, and that might seem torturous to some of us, but it really is a healthy thing for us to learn to wait and to be patient.
0: Well, and I think too, Advent, and we have to remember, Advent helps us to know what exactly we're celebrating. I think sometimes we get through all the season and when we get to uh, Christmas Day, it's almost like, well, I did it. We made it. I'm alive. I'm breathing barely, you know, and the thing is, is that Advent helps us to understand exactly what it is We're celebrating. What is the coming of Christ? What does that really do? Did we realize that in the Old Testament, there are four different types of Messiahs that are prophesied? Or do we just think of Messiah as this one all-saving person? But he's a priestly Messiah who is is going to reestablish as never before an intimacy with God between his people and God himself. And so then we're hoping for that. And I think here's the thing, and we're experiencing in some degree the fact that we have intimacy with God. But how many of you know, I can be more intimate with God? Can you raise your hand? Absolutely. And so we, we sit in that tension. And then that Christmas morning, the hope that's birthed because we have revelation. You see what I'm saying? So Advent is essential because it helps us to understand what it is we're Um, celebrating. And because we understand what we're celebrating, we can partner with it. That's the beautiful thing about God. He wants to partner with you in his relationship with you. That means he's not doing everything. He's asking you to come alongside of him. And if we don't know what we're celebrating on, on Christmas morning, how can we partner with what he's doing?
1: Amen. So ultimately, Advent is an invitation Advent is not something that we do to earn anything. It's not a works program. It's not a sacrifice or something that we do to get God to look down on us. Advent is an invitation for us to pause, to come into more intimacy with Jesus, and for this season to be framed around him and around the work and the ministry of his life, and what it did for the people of God. And ultimately, and we're gonna talk about this at the very end of this conversation when we address how we're gonna corporately participate, ultimately, Advent helps us to live in the tension of Jesus having already come and establishing his kingdom, like we sang this morning, but living with the realization that the fullness of the kingdom is not yet here. So we live in this in-between, where what we do is essential. As the church, what we do absolutely matters. And God is all the time working in and through his church, little by little, to make things right, like leaven in a loaf of bread. But also, as the people of God, we recognize that he is coming again. That that's not just some thing that we throw around to make us feel better, But that is the central claim to the Christian faith, is that Jesus has come and established his kingdom, but he is coming again to make all things right. And Advent helps us learn how to live in the middle ground. So, how can we participate with Advent, particularly in our families,
0: Okay, so this is the part where we're going to, you know, we wanted to take time to equip you with different ideas and ways to participate in the season of Advent um, with your family uh, at home. And here at the end, we will do this as a corporate body as well. But uh, I just want to take a moment and, and kind of just give some some thoughts and ideas to you. The first way, uh, and this is a, a, a tradition of many years now for many Christians, and that is the Advent wreath. The Advent wreath is one way that you can participate with the Advent season. Um, so what is the Advent wreath? The Advent wreath is basically it's, it's four candles and a wreath of evergreen that's shaped in a perfect circle. And the reason it's shaped into the circle, there's symbolism behind each and every one of these things. The reason this evergreen uh, branch is shaped into a circle is because it represents the eternal God and his eternal love for us. So every time we, and, and now that you know that, if you should choose to participate that, every time you see that wreath, you, you see a representation, you're reminded of God's eternality and the eternality of his love. God loves us every day, day in and day out, and Christmas is the expression of that love. Amen? Amen. So that's the, That's what the wreath is. And there's typically, and traditionally there's four candles. And those four candles represent four different characteristics of who Jesus was and what he birthed in the earth. So the first one is the first Sunday. And, and, and what happens is, is every Sunday as a family, you would sit down and you would gather around the Advent wreath and you would light a candle. So on the first Sunday, you would light the first uh, candle, which is next Sunday, by the way. Next Sunday is the first Sunday. And this is the candle, and it's, it's called the prophet's candle or the prophetic candle. And what it represents and symbolizes is hope. And here's why. Because when God gives a prophetic word, there's always hope. And this is, this is a word for you today. Whatever God's word has been to you, there is hope because God is faithful to fulfill his word. And so the first one is, and this, this, this uh, this candle is really the remembrance of the prophets. You know, primarily Isaiah, who for, who foretold the birth of Christ. So in Isaiah chapter seven, verse fourteen, it says, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, God with you." Here's the word, the prophetic word of the Lord: "I am God with you, and I'm coming in the flesh of a baby, boy, a son." And you light that, and here's, a th- and I love this symbolism, you light that candle. And here's the thing, the darkness of doubt is dispelled by the light of God's truth. So you light that candle. Do you hide it under a bushel? Come on now. <laughs> so, all right, then the next Sunday. We might have to bring that song back. Yeah, we I might have know. to bring, I've heard mm. that a couple times yeah. now. So that's the spirit. Okay. There's your prophetic word, all of you can hope for that song. All right, so the second candle on the second Sunday of Advent symbolizes love, or some traditions call this the the, the candle of faith, And and it's called the Bethlehem candle because it symbolizes Christ's manger and Joseph and Mary's journey to that manger. Christ came in a way that was radically different than what culture at the time said he was going to come as. He was supposed to come as a, as a warrior king to overthrow the rule of the Romans and yet he came in a manger. And so here, uh, Luke chapter two, verse 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying, our cloths and lying in a manger. And this really is to, to represent God's love and faithfulness to us, amen. The third Sunday, you would light the third candle with the other two. And this is uh, the shepherd's candle. This is known as the shepherd's candle and it symbolizes joy, reminding us of the joy the world experienced at the coming birth of Jesus. So here in Luke chapter two, verse eight, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So here, listen, when you light this candle, it's the light of hope dispelling the darkness of despair. And and though there is despair that we experience today, there is hope. Amen? Amen. And fourth, the, the fourth and final candle is uh, the angel's candle, and it reminds us of the message of the angels, which was peace. So Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So those are the four candles of the the advent wreath now some traditions include a fifth candle and uh, typically all these candles are pink and purple which represent love and and royalty but the fifth candle is white and and it's called the christ candle and on christmas eve you would light this candle you'd gather around as a family and you'd light it and what it represents is purity the white represents the purity of christ but not just the purity of christ but christ's work And making us pure. David says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. This is the work of Christ in our lives. And though we struggle with the burdens and the frailties of our flesh, we have hope. Because every day we're being sanctified more and more. We're being washed clean. We're being purified by the work that began on the day that Jesus was born. This is the advent wreath. This is what it means to come together and to gather around and to celebrate and to push back the darkness of our culture, to push back the, the, the darkness of our, of our frailties, and to say, God, your light shines in this home and in this family. Amen? So that's the Advent wreath. And I wanted to go into a little bit more depth with that because um, I believe we're going to be celebrating that together as... Uh, a corporate body as well. So we'll be lighting the Advent wreath candles here in our service as worship together as the body of Christ. But I wanted to go ahead and encourage you, this is not to take away your experience as a family, to gather together, to light the candle, to remember these scriptures, and to even to, sh- to, to, to share uh, testimonies and to pray with one another. So
1: just a quick note on this, practically speaking. So if you're going, man, this is pretty cool. I'd like to do this Hobby Lobby sells these. So that's probably the primary place. Um, and if you don't want to go all the way to Hobby Lobby, you can go right next door to Mardell. And they also have them. Yeah, that was a joke. Uh, and also, like like Pastor Dan said, we will be doing these each week in service. So you don't parents have to remember everything he just said. We're going to rehash it each week for whatever that week is, we're going to touch on it, so then you're prepared to go home, have lunch, do whatever, and then that Sunday evening, you can do it with your family, and then lastly for the Advent wreath, there is a wonderful website called keepingadvent.com, keepingadvent.com, and we're going to send out all these resources on the app and the newsletter this week, so there's a plug for that, keepingadvent.com, and it will walk you through how to do this stuff with your family. It's wonderful.
0: It is wonderful. Isn't it is it? wonderful.: Okay, so isn't it? all right, so I took a little bit more time with that one, but what I want to do is I want to give you um, at least four other ways you can participate with the season of Advent, especially with those of you who have children. And, and here's the thing, again, this is not for you to remember, uh, and like, like Jonathan said, every detail. The point of this is to inspire you to begin the process of learning these traditions and determining what traditions fit for your family on your own. And so we are, we're gonna have this on the on the website. It'll be going on the app. It'll be uh, going in the newsletter. So we're gonna be pumping this information and making sure it's at your fingertips at all times. Okay, but... Uh, just just a couple more that really stood out to me. Uh, number two, there's a book that we want to encourage all of you uh, to purchase. It's a it's a devotional, an Advent devotional for this year, and uh, we are going to be reading that. We're going to be referencing it through the throughout this entire series, and it's called "Watch for the Light: Readings for Advent and Christmas." So, watch for the light, and and we want to invite you to go ahead and get that. Their their daily readings that help us to, as Jonathan said, to frame and reframe our lives around the gospel in this Christmas season. So that's that's one way. Another way, and this is especially great for you, those of you who have children or if you don't have children and you just like children's books, hey, I bless it. So this is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Every story whispers his name. So this is Jesus, the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it's a Bible that has 21 stories in it from the Old Testament, each one ending with a paragraph that ties into the imminent birth of Jesus. So it has 21 Old Testament stories, and at the end, it talks about how it ties into the birth of Jesus. And then there are three stories from the New Testament leading up to and surrounding the birth and story of Jesus as well. And so this is amazing. I'm not sure if the author meant to do this, but that is 24 entries, So what you could do as a family is every evening, starting December 1st, read one of these short children's stories that tie Christmas to the birth of Christ. Pray over it. And it can be short. And the book is, listen, the book has beautiful illustrations. So I would highly recommend that for you. Um, Anything to add to that? Number four, there's something called an Advent Jesse tree. This is not an Advent tree in honor of Jesse Mutzaba. This is an Advent tree in honor of Jesse from whom the root and the shoot of Jesus sprung forth. It's the father of David. Okay. All right. So basically what this is, this is a small tree. It can be real. It can be plastic. It can be construction paper that you just paste it up on the wall. It doesn't matter. But what you do is you basically select 24 Bible stories. You create small ornaments with each story. Then beginning December 1st, you read uh, scriptures that you chose that relate to, to to the ornament, and you hang them on the tree. That's it. It's this very easy, simple way to remember every day that's right. It's not about Cyber Monday. It's about Jesus. <laughs> okay. We um, need that Remind Yeah, me. and we need that. Yes, we do. And then finally, and you can type this into Google because I found a bunch of these. But the Advent Activity Calendar, and basically what the Advent Activity Calendar is, it starts on December first, like these other uh, others that I've mentioned. Every day there's a small gift, or there's like candy, um, or and some, and they include a small activity. Uh, So basically every day you would open up one of these boxes on this tree um, or this calendar and there would be a small candy or something and maybe a verse and an activity that you can do with your kids like bake cookies or I don't know, whatever it is you like to do with, that's not small or easy, but you know what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, and then I heard this this one author say, hey, go ahead and add a short story or a short prayer to these days so that your children can begin to sit in the yoke of tradition, the yoke of day in and day out relating Christ to their daily lives. So those are just some simple ways to do that. These will all be on the website with details and links so that you can, you know, grab those. They're only, you know, the Advent activity calendar is like 14 to 30 bucks, you know, depending on what you're willing to spend to honor Christ. Just kidding. So, <laughs> so depending on how with, serious a Christian you are, whatever yeah. your budget is for your Christmas toys. No. Okay. Wow. We're going to cut that out of the podcast. All right. Let's Jonathan. just come to the
1: table, shall we? <laughs> so lastly, we are going to pretty much keep the same shape of our service, but we're going to add some different elements over the next four Sundays. And I want to talk to you guys about why and what we're going to change so that when you come in, you don't have deer in headlights look. You know what to expect, and you know how to participate as the church. Amen? Amen. So one of the things that you will notice is we will have different songs, not all different songs. We're not going to learn four new songs every week, but the songs will be pointing to this this concept of longing, the concept of kingship, the concept of God entering into this mess and beginning to make things right with the Messiah. So we're going to do, there's going to be a lot of songs around longing and around kingship. And if if you're not framed in coming in, you might be like, "What in the world are we singing about?" Like, Jesus has come already, but what we're doing, just to reiterate, is we are re-entering into the story in solidarity with the people of God for the first four thousand years of the tribes of Israel, but we're also reminding ourselves that this world is not as it should be and that we are living in current eager anticipation of Jesus coming again to make all things right. And that is the ultimate hope and the ultimate joy. But it also forces us those, like I said earlier, who are very, very optimistic, and for those of us that live in maybe a bubble of sorts, and we don't have to come into contact with a lot of the things that are, that are just a mess in this world. It forces us to look those things in the face and say, God, I'm not hurting at this moment, but I have brothers and sisters that are, and I stand with them and I sing on behalf of them, and I pray for them, and I cry out on their behalf because, Lord, they need you to move in a way that I am incapable of moving. So that is a way that you can partner with us in the songs. As we already mentioned, we're going to participate in lighting the Advent wreath each week. And so I'm not going to rehash that. Um, also, We're going to immerse ourselves in Scripture. We're going to have corporate Scripture reading every week. So we do a little bit of corporate Scripture reading at the beginning of our services at the call to worship. But we're going to do more uh, pronounced and give it a highlighted place in the middle of our service, corporate Scripture reading. And that hopefully is going to open our eyes to the whole story of God. That, that the whole story of God isn't just the last 2,000 years, that it is thousands and thousands of years that God has been in this mess and moving among his people and, and creating us in his image and moving us to where he is calling us to be. So we're going to have a scripture reading. Um, and, and lastly, in our services, we are going to pre- be preaching, Pastor Dan and I are going to be preaching, and then Pastor Jade on Christmas Eve, from traditional texts, that are associated with the weeks of Advent. So, part of this whole church calendar thing that we talked about in the beginning is a way to work through the Bible every three years. And we are committing to doing that for the Advent season. And we are going to draw on the texts that the church has preached from on the first week, the third week, and the fourth week of Advent for literally hundreds of years. So we're going to be preaching from those texts. So if some of the texts, when you hear them go, man, that's pretty random. I I don't know that I would have chosen that text. That's exactly why we're choosing that text. Because it's easy as preachers to go to the texts that we love, that we enjoy, that personally speak to us, that we know are pertinent for our people. The list goes on and on. But we are making a commitment for the next couple of weeks to preach from the traditional texts that are associated with these weeks. And we believe as a charismatic people that the Spirit of God is currently, even now, breathing life into those things and making them current and relevant for what we are walking through as the body of Antioch Church. Amen? Okay.
0: Closing comments? Yeah. Um I just want to I want to come back to the heart of Advent. Why why are we doing this? You know, it's just so important that we keep that before ourselves because it can easily become a religious tradition void of meaning. You know, but that's not on the tradition or on Jesus. That's on us. That's really on us. And so, let me just let me just read this quote from the book that we recommended Watch for the Light. Mother Teresa once noted that the first person to welcome Christ was John the Baptist, who leapt for joy on recognizing him, though both of them were still within their mother's wombs. We, in stark contrast, are often so dulled by superficial distractions that we are incapable of hearing any voice within, let alone listening to it. Consequently, the feeling we know as Christmas cheer lacks any real connection with the vital spirit that radiates from the manger. That's the main purpose of this collection. And I would add in here the spirit of Advent as a whole, it's to reforge this link to the spirit. And I, and I, and I just want to I want you know one example would be this as we light the first candle of advent which is the hope candle you know we talked about how it forms us that what we venerate that which we honor that we lift up that we praise it shapes us into the image of that now imagine as we venerate and lift up honor we are shaped into a people or of uh, I'm sorry of hope as we honor hope we become a people of Christ hope and then we go into the world as a people of hope, even as Christ came into the world as a light of hope. So we then be embody the work of Christ in our workplace, to our families, to lost loved ones, to people that we meet at Walmart or Target or wherever you are. You know, this, this is, man, I want to see the name of Jesus lifted high. I want to see... the the lamb received the rewards of his suffering. And I think it happens best when we become the people who reflect the image of that lamb. Amen.